We are live for a little bit of a news roundup and also our review of NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day here on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. A lot, of, a lot has happened within the last 24 hours to 48 hours, Ralph. Wouldn't you say so? Absolutely. We were treated to a uh, more than satisfying pay-per-view that I think maybe rightfully most people kind of said, you know what, NXT, this is going to be a dud. This isn't going to be a takeover-worthy event. And I think all of us kind of underestimated what NXT is capable of. They came out mm-hmm. last night. They flexed on all of us. They came out swinging and they showed that, you know what? As much as AEW goes out there and dominates the viewership week after week, this is still a damn good product when it wants to be. Yeah. And last night, they 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 more than proved that to a lot of people, I think. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about it, but definitely something that I feel like NXT woke up last night and revived itself. And hopefully they can follow up with this in the weeks to come with some good storylines and some new characters, some fresh faces, maybe some mm-hmm. baby face or heel turns. A lot went on on NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day that if you did not watch it and you got that nine ninety nine subscription renewed on the WWE Network for the next month and a half, take advantage of it. Watch that pay-per-view. But let's get, let's get into the news here, Ralph. And before we do, just want to remind everybody that we're going to be answering some questions throughout the episode. If you want to get your question answered, it's very easy. All you do is put the hashtag question into your into the live chat. And if you want to cut the line, you just give any dollar donation. We'll answer the question as soon as uh, we see it in the super <laughs> chat. We actually already got a super chat here, Ralph. Trey Long. Trey Long is back. He's throwing in the money, man. He's throwing in his Valentine's Day budget. He's like, forget the significant other. Forget the wife. Forget the the girlfriend. I got to spend money on my squared circle psycho babble. I think I know what's going on here. I think Trey Long is secretly the producer of Cameron Grimes' music video that just came out. (laughs) And because Cameron Grimes... Because Cameron Grimes, just in his personal life and his professional life, are, are, are going where, Michael? To the moon. Listen, if you don't when you like work, it, kiss my grits. When you work with the likes of Cameron Grimes, that's exactly where you go. So Trey Long, if you are the producer of that music video from last night, first of all, great job. <laughs> yep. Second of all, let us know if there's water on the moon. Uh, I know, I know it, they say it smells like cheese, so maybe there is water on it. Maybe there's water on Mars. I don't know. We're not here to talk about space. Camera Grimes, baby. Camera Grimes <laughs> to the moon. If you don't like it, kiss my grits. All right. Let's talk about, uh, some news here, Ralph. Sammy Guevara, I guess is, um, speaking of water, seems like he's under some hot water. At least that's what the original report was from Slam Wrestling. Although Mr. Dave Meltzer said, uh, not quite. So Sammy Guevara was supposed to be part of the Impact Wrestling tapings this week as he left the inner circle. And, um, you know, people saying the the creative direction of one Sammy Guevara was not a good one. And Sammy's like, nope, not doing it. And they took him, they pull him back. Meltzer says, yes, the creative story that I was told was crap. And a lot of people from AEW and Impact are supporting Mr. Guevara with the decision to pull out and not be going through with this creative decision. So what are your thoughts on this whole 
story originally told by Slam Wrestling, Dave Meltzer yeah. following it up with not quite, but we'll see how it goes. So assuming this isn't a work, and that's the big thing I want to I want to preface this with is let's assume this is not a work. Let's assume that this is legitimate. And, you know, there was some sort of creative difference. I think this is the one thing we talked about. That's the most difficult thing that uh, they're going to have to steer through when they're trying to work these partnerships, whether it's AEW working with Impact, AEW working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're only two months into this. And granted, I understand there may be no heat between the two companies or no heat on Sammy Guevara for saying, I don't, I don't want to do this, Mm -hmm. but it still happened. And if it's going to happen on a small scale within the first couple of months, just think of what can potentially happen. If you have a champion who's going to either AEW or a champion from AEW going to another company or promotion who essentially says, I'm not going to lose to this guy. I'm sorry. I'd be willing to go out there. I'd lose. I mean, you look at the history of professional wrestling and I say this all the time, money, creative cash, all of those things come into play so many times. And if you don't feel like you're getting your due, uh, on a creative side or, uh, from a financial standpoint, or if you feel like, you know, there's a guy that you don't necessarily want to do a job for. I was listening Mm -hmm. to, um, Conrad and Bischoff talk about James storm the other day. And just that, that, you know, they, they wanted Scott Steiner or I should say Bischoff when he was in TNA, one example, he wanted Scott Steiner to put over James Storm. Right. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And ultimately, uh, whether it was Eric Bischoff who decided or somebody else, he was let go from the company. And that may have had something to do with it. So, you know, I, I don't think that Sammy was wrong necessarily for saying, no, I don't want to do something. But I would be slightly concerned if I'm AEW because, you know, this is only two months into it. This is a small scale incident, but who's to say this doesn't happen on a bigger scale? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And right now we got some big names involved. Like we got Kenny Omega going back and forth between AEW and Impact, the Good Brothers that are the tag team champions in Impact. But as more and more people get involved in this, and you know, we Meltzer is speculating or reporting uh, that Kazuchika Okada will be coming at some point. From New Japan Pro Wrestling, we know that Juice Robinson and Finley are coming to Impact Wrestling tonight. So, you know, eventually some of these big names, like you're, like you know, they might Okada might be like, no, I'm not putting over a guy like, uh, let's say Darby Allen, for example, or Darby Allen might be like, listen, I'm not putting over Juice Robinson. And and th- yes, I understand these are all hypotheticals and might be pessimistic thinking, but at the same time, it's it's something we do have to understand like this is not the first time promotions have worked partnerships it's happened for many many years like believe it or not there was a time where wwe once worked with new japan pro wrestling there was a time where wcw worked with new japan pro wrestling and that you know foiled up because of issues backstage so again you know we talk about this forbidden door thing and oh my god it's so exciting but as long as everybody plays nice, um, you know, it's going to be easy. But not everybody plays nice and it gets political. No matter what happens, there's always politics involved. Always. Even when the nicest people, somehow the politics get inv- in, 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 involved. <laughs> I was just reading somebody's comment there. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. And I, you know, I, I think that a lot of times, and especially with our show, 
we like to be the show that tries to have the conversation, whether that's a difficult conversation, whether that's the conversation that people may not necessarily want to um, accept or engage in. We're kind of presenting the view from, you know, just the business standpoint in in, in the fan standpoint. And, And we're not saying that we hope this happens and we're not saying that we want this to happen. I want it to be, I want it all to work out between AEW and all the other companies, but I'm just presenting to you guys that, you know, just as being a fan from the outside looking in over the course of the years and paying attention to the business. I mean, if it was the case where creative and cash and all these things didn't create uh, conflicts within companies and not even to taking into consideration, multiple companies work together we may not have even had the Montreal screw job. That was essentially right. over uh, your champion wanting to leave as the champion dropped mm-hmm. the title right. and a disagreement between creative. They, right. they, the owner of a company saw things a different way. So I don't think it's wrong to have that conversation and talk about the past of pro wrestling because, you know, history has a, 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 a tendency to repeat itself, not just in general, but in pro wrestling as well. So, you know, I, I hope the, the, the writing isn't on the wall between all of these companies with this smi- this minor disagreement with Sammy. But, um, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen somewhere down the line on a much bigger scale. And, you know, that's that's my perspective on it. No, I, I totally agree. And, I mean, even you bring up the Montreal Screwjob, but let's not forget even five years before that, Ric Flair was the world's heavyweight champion when he left WCW to come to WWE in 1991, 1992, and had this whole thing about being the world, the real world's champion or Shane Douglas, you know, burying the world's heavyweight championship to start ECW or extreme championship wrestling, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, we got some, we got some super chats here. So let's get through those really quick, Ralph. Uh, first off, uh, thank you for the four ninety nine donation to the super chat party. Uh, Corey McCar- uh, MacArthur, he just said, glad you're doing a live review of tonight, uh, last night's show. Hope we're doing good. We are doing good. And I see like 85 viewers here, uh, 21 likes so far. And we're only 10 minutes into this. Thank you guys so much for, for getting it. And we're just, we're just getting started, you know, start sharing, start liking. Let's, let's try to get to 100 viewers, at least a hundred viewers by the end of this hour. But also, uh, a $2 donation from, Eriku, the Domo guy, I think, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, his $2 donation with the question, what is happening to NWA? Uh, this is a good question. I mean, Nick Aldis is under the impression that NWA will come back. NWA power will come back. I think it's just a matter of when this pandemic ends and have an understanding of who's still going to be on the roster. Cause it seems like Everyone that's associated with NWA is either going to a different promotion signed under there. And we're going to talk about one of them in a little bit, or uh, they uh, are doing some partnership thing or doing back and forth like t- uh, Thunder Rosa. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, it's unfortunate because I feel like power was really a good alternative when you wanted to watch, you know, I think most of us as fans, we tune into AEW, we tune into WWE. Power was, to me, week in and week out. It really wasn't a bad show. I think that their roster was fairly decent. They had some really good guys. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, th- I haven't really heard much much updates or many updates, I should say, about when they're going to be coming back. We just, I hope for the talent's sake that it's soon. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I agree. I think it is going to happen at some point. Also, the whole thing with uh, Dave Lagana 
you know, he was part of the whole speaking out thing. He was a big force of NWA. So I don't know if they're trying to find someone to fill that role. Obviously, the tag champions were James Storm and Eli Drake. They're both gone. Uh, I think the Eli TV Drake. champion, the TV champion is still uh, uh, Aaron Stevens, if I'm not mistaken. Or um, not the TV champion. The What the heck's their other one? The national champion. See, I, it's been so long that I don't remember their titles. But hopefully they do come back. So uh, let's get some questions in, Ralph. And again, hashtag question in the live chat. If you want to get it answered immediately, um, we will, you know, uh, donate to the Super Chat Party. Any dollar amount will get your question answered. So, Ralph, here is the first question. Does AEW need that second show to start up sooner rather than later? It's been talked about for almost a year. I guess this is kind of the same thing with the pandemic. You know, NWA has not been able to get back. AEW might not be able to get that second show because they're not moving around. They're not touring. So how are they going to do a second show if there's nowhere to go? I don't think AEW necessarily needs a second show right now. I think that they've got a good group, a good roster. I think a majority of their roster is, you know, you either got some of the older guys that have been in the business for a while um, and then you have a lot of green young guys. And I feel like the, the the guys that are greener and younger, they certainly still need to learn. And I would like to see AEW try to, uh, you know, ensure the future of those guys and ensure the success of the company by focusing on making Dynamite the best product they pro- they possibly can. I mean, it, Dynamite, for the most part, is good week in and week out. Um, but it's going to be that much more complicated to ensure that the show and the company is successful with two two shows never mind well technically it would be three because i mean dark is right granted it's not on tv but you know it is more content and with more content come more problems and more uh more storylines that you have to develop more characters and you know i i would like to see them focus on making dynamite the best yeah i, I think at this point like there's still some things they could work on on dynamite but i also think that a lot of storyline gets progressed on dark and then it suddenly switches to dynamite and it leaves some viewers confused because they don't know what's going on because they're not watching dark or they see the rankings and they have like mirrors in the top five, even though he may have like one match on dynamite, but yet he's five and oh or something like that. So having that second show, yeah. whether it's dark or not would really help because not everybody still is not just following everything on YouTube. As much as we're heading more towards the streaming and stuff like that, having that second show as dark on YouTube is for like the absolute diehards of AEW and not everybody's quite following it yet. So I think a a second show needs to happen if they can't get everybody to progress these storylines within the two hours now. Um, And dark is just not doing it because I think still there's some people left confused. Nothing? Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, I don't think uh, you're cutting me off. Do you want me to? Re- do you want me to respond or not? Well, there was a longer pause than usual. Usual, so I wasn't sure if you were going to respond. Sometimes you have these pauses, and then you're like, yeah. "No." <laughs> so, no, I'm I'm going to give you a full length response, and I'll Go try ahead. to sum it up as quickly as possible. I don't think having a second show just for the sake of guys learning who are necessarily uh, green or not ready for TV really does them any favors because. If you have guys go out there that are green and not ready for TV, then they shouldn't be on TV. Putting them on a second show and saying, hey, go out there and, and you know, essentially trial by fire on a national, at the national level where everybody can see that, 
it's not necessarily a good look. It doesn't necessarily help them. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, granted they don't have a developmental system per se, uh, but yeah, I, I, to me, one night is more than enough for now. All right. All right. Uh, let's get to the next question here. Um, Let's see. Ralph reminds me of that parent that crushed your dreams, but at the same time, you need him because he's brutally honest. He's not going to sugarcoat it. That was more of a, ant, uh, a statement than it is a question. But next question after that is... I am th- a supervisor in my real-life profession. Oh, there you go. That's why he's like that. And he's also a father, so that's how that works. Next, uh, do you think that AEW should have waited at least two more years to get their name up in order to do business with Impact and New Japan Pro Wrestling? So rather than doing it now, should they have waited to build their their brand a little bit more? Because I actually I, I think I understand where this is coming from. I do because I think at this point, you know, you still are trying to build stars in your own brand, and now all of a sudden you're bringing in guys like Kenta and the Good Brothers that are taking spots. I yeah, I, I definitely agree with that part of it. I I can't say I necessarily agree that they should have waited. Um, I don't have a problem with the timing of all this. I just don't think like, I feel like right now with Kenta being there, you know, Kenta essentially showed up the next week he had a match. The good brothers have been there. What two or three weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, they got private party going, competing on impact. Like it doesn't feel special because there's no scarcity to it. It doesn't feel like, um, you know, like, it doesn't feel like an invasion angle. It doesn't feel like you have guys that are on certain shows that aren't supposed to be there. It's just, okay, well, the forbidden door is open. We're just going to have guys cross promote. So it kind of loses its shock factor value for me. Um, and I think that they could certainly do a much better job at that part of it. And, but you know, it's, it's already too late for that. Right. So they can't go backwards. They already have these guys going back and forth right. and competing and there was really no buildup to it. Like guys showed up one week and then the next week they were just, okay, well you can compete on our show. It was never like it was a struggle. Like the good brother showed up and they were told, look, you can't be on the show. You mm-hmm. don't, you're not employed by us. It was never a struggle. It was never presented as you guys aren't supposed to be here. Or, you know, if you lose this match, you're, you have to, whatever. I, I don't know. But right. I, I think that it's a, the angle itself is 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 fine. I don't have a problem with the timing, but I do have. I don't think the story is being told quite as good as it could be. Yeah, I think it's not really like an invasion per se. Obviously, like the Nexus doing in the invasion or WCW invading WWE, they're just doing like, hey, it's it's a partnership. So this guy's going to come in, and it's more about the Bullet Club reforming in the United States. And I think the storyline is going to be about the Bullet Club faction, and eventually. You know, with Kenta there, does that mean Jay White comes? Does G.O.D. come? Do they go to different promotions? Like, like that's where I think it's heading. And it ends up being like this, uh, this like civil war in the Bullet Club that ends in blood and guts. That's where I think it's heading. And that 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 would be cool. I think I think the thing right now is, first, first of all, like you pointed out earlier in the show, this isn't necessarily new. I mean, We've had what New Japan worked with, worked with TNA back in the day. You yeah. had uh, Ring of Honor used to work with New Japan. So a lot of these guys, I mean, granted, it wasn't necessarily at the level that it's at right now because AEW is the number two promotion in the United States. But it's not really like these guys haven't worked with each other and haven't cross cross promoted before, before AEW. So 
don't yeah. know. Well, we'll see how that progresses. You know, sometimes it like, you know, we say it with uh, WWE and we say it with AEW, just let it progress and maybe there's something there. So we'll, we'll see where it goes, but let's get back to the news roundup here. Big news last night. We got uh, the debut on NXT of Eli Drake now going known as LA Knight. But also we got news that NXT is also signing Taya Valkyrie from Impact Wrestling. She is the longest reigning knockouts champion. Also the wife of John Morrison. She will be reporting to NXT, not going to the main roster with her husband. But Ralph, a lot of people are a little upset that Eli Drake's going to NXT, saying that he should have either stayed in NWA or go to AEW. What do you think of the name LA Knight? Uh, I mean, I know some people take exception to it. Look, I'm glad he's there because of his talent. You know, I I think that this was a big signing for NXT because I think this is the first time in a really long time, especially after last night where they hit the reset button. They said, look, we get it. AW has been handing our handing us our ass week in, week out. We're here to compete. And I think that Eli Drake or L.A. Knight, whatever whatever you want to call him, has the type of personality where he can go out there and get people to tune in and get people interested. Um, And it won't necessarily be relying so much on just in-ring, which NXT is very in-ring dependent when it comes to their week-in and week-out show. I thought his promo was great. I thought he made an instant impact. No pun intended, because obviously impact, TNA, blah, blah. Um, But I, I, I loved it. I thought this was... Uh, what we talk about on a weekly basis, being able to go out there, cut promos and be like the elephant in the room, like draw attention to yourself. That's what they desperately need. And I thought he knocked it out of the park last night. I totally agree. And I thought it was a great promo. I I loved his little jabs at uh, Wade Barrett and Braden Walker of Barstool Sports. Um, You know, it's a guy that just is confident on the mic. And we've, we've known that. I think that's his bread and butter, whether you see him in impact or NWA, or now in NXT, that he is a great talker. And I don't think his time in NXT is going to be long. Uh, I think maybe like Karrion Cross, assuming injuries don't happen, he won't be there. I'd, if he's there longer than six months, I'll be shocked. Because one thing that I even had to look this up, Eli Drake is 38 years old. So I know people are bringing up age into everything now. I mean, we got... 54-year-old Goldberg challenging Drew McIntyre. We got 58-year-old Great Muda winning championships in Japan. Uh, Tommy Dreamer at 50 years old going after the uh, Impact Wrestling Championship. So maybe 38 is the new 28, and that is technically a young star, but I really don't see him staying in NXT that long. Yeah, I mean, I I think that he's probably going to be there for, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe let's say like six months. It depends right. how he does. I mean, if if he goes there and he delivers and he's as good as you know he he seems to be and as confident as he seems to be, I could see him going up to the main roster very quickly. But you know, you probably could have said the same thing about EC3 when he first came to to uh, NXT. So well, his run in NXT we shall wasn't see, that but long. I, his run wasn't that long. No, I it think, wasn't. I don't even think he actually had a feud in NXT. He just showed up at that ladder match maybe a few episodes of NXT and then he was already on the main roster and they still, they well, there's some people, there's some, 
there's some people that thrive in NXT, and then there's people that you can just tell based on their skill set that they're they're meant for the main roster. I mean, right. uh, Bianca Belair, as good as she is and as good as she is on the main roster right now, and as much respect and attention as she's getting, she was never really somebody that people were all that into on NXT. As a matter of fact, when I went to a couple of the takeovers, some of the matches that I saw with her were good, but it was kind of like, well, why is she given this spot? Like, right. nobody... nobody went out of their way to go to a takeover to see her perform majority of the fans i'd imagine um the same for ec3 like his skill set to me was very uh very much meant for the main roster unfortunately they didn't do much with him uh but you know we'll see what happens with la knight or eli drake but as far as his debut i thought it was great i think it was just what it needed right also we got right we got ty valkyrie also showing up Eventually, she'll be part of the announcement of all the big class that uh, apparently is going to have the most women in the Performance Center class of signings. Uh, We already have so many women in a deep women's roster in NXT. So I feel like a signing like this is just an indication that there might be a lot of these women currently on NXT that are going to be making their way up to the main roster very soon. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, I mean, last night really wasn't an indication of what their future is going to look like uh, because Yoshirai is still the champion. But at the same time, this is kind of what NXT has done. They produce some of the top women or they they get some of the top women in the industry to work for them. And then, you know, you get a class of five people, five women that end up going to the main roster and then they repackage them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a re, I would, I should say, uh, yeah, repackage their their division or build it back up. That that was one of the things that I've credited Triple H for because it seemed like once they lost some of the really good talent at the NXT level, uh, they really had to rebuild that women's division, and they did it with the likes of Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, and some of the others too that are still currently there. But um, yeah, I, I think that they'll continue to do that, and. You know, I think that NXT, the women's division is strong and it hopefully will stay that way. Right. Uh, All right. So we're going to do some questions here. Uh, I think, Ralph, can you just unplug and replug your microphone? We're getting that little popping problem here. So while you're figuring that out, we'll get the next question up here again. uh, Use the hashtag question in the live chat. Well, we're going in the order that the questions come in on the live chat. But if you want to cut the line, donate to the Super Chat Party, any dollar amount. Uh, will do if you only have a dollar, if you only have five dollars. I know it was Valentine's Day, so that really uh, killed a lot of your guys' budget for the significant other, buying flowers, chocolates, promises you never intend to keep, all that fun stuff. But also, um, if you have some extra money, we got merchandise also available. 10% off with the promo code SCPB10. Link in the description. So definitely check that out. So, Ralph, are you back? Let's check the mic i'm back all right i don't know how the mic sounds but it sounds better than it was so technology on live television folks that's how it works i've i've been there done that all right so the first question is it me or eli or does eli drake's name sound like a bad sports team it kind of does the la knights like that 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 sounds like an expansion arena football team i don't i mean i think eli drake certainly sounds better but it's you know what? Recognizable. I think, but... I think it's something like that. I think Eli Drake, because don't forget the wrestlers pitch the names to these guys. So it could have been one where he pitched it as like, oh, this is a stupid name. They're never going to go with it just to fill the quota of names. 
or he's doing it to protect the name Eli Drake because you know WWE is going to copyright it. He doesn't want the name Eli Drake copywritten, so go with LA Knight. Yeah, I mean, I, I know some people aren't really high on the name, but I don't think it's that bad. I think it's it's fine. Yeah. All right, next question here is... If AEW gave a gave you a chance of a special entrance on a pay-per-view, one face, one heel, one tag team on both the women and men's side, who would you give a special entrance to? Oh boy. Um well Cody well, Cody has got, a special yeah, Cody right. already has one. Like none of the uh, wrestlers really have like that special entrance vibe other than maybe Jericho, but he already had one with the choir singing his song. Uh maybe maybe Jurassic Express. Especially if they're gonna have uh the that song, Tarzan Boy. Maybe you could get the band to play it for a special entrance. Are we talking like a one time thing or are we talking like Chris like, Jericho like, Y2J entrance every time? Or the brood? Like a like a WrestleMania entrance, like a special WrestleMania oh, okay. entrance. Like Darby. Yeah. Something like that. They could do something cool with Darby. Maybe bring Tony Hawk or uh the Jackass crew and he does something stupid like skateboard down a ramp into the ring. It's not exactly what I was thinking, but sure, what? why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean Sting gets the snow, you know. What I mean, once spring and summer happen, what happens to the snow? Do they still continue with the snow gimmick or no? I'd imagine so. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question here. And again, we're going in the order they came in the live chat. If you want to cut through any donation to the super chat party, greatly appreciated. We answer your question as soon as it comes up, just like uh, Corey did and Eriku did earlier on the night. When will Karrion Cross and Scarlet go to the main roster? Probably sooner rather than later. Sooner. Yeah, I definitely see that. I think he beats Escobar this Wednesday, maybe goes after the NXT title, but I don't even know if that's going to happen because of what happened last night. So mm-hmm. his time in NXT is going to be very short lived and he might never get that NXT title back as much as he probably should. When do you think AEW will appeal to the casual audience? <laughs> when they find the next big superstar, when they find the that's next it. John Cena of the pro wrestling industry, that's it. That's all it takes. I mean, right. What what they're doing right now is very much catered to the hardcore professional wrestling fan. Um, That's what they would need, in my opinion. And that's not just them, but just the wrestling industry overall, I think, is still looking for that big mega star. And I agree. We haven't seen that since Cena. No. Or Sasha. Sasha could be it. I I actually saw someone tweeted on uh, Twitter today the Google trend spikes that Sasha Banks got because she did the, the honorary start flag of the Daytona 500 yesterday. And apparently like she was spiking in all like the NASCAR States. So, you know, they see who's this Sasha Banks and they go, Oh, she's on SmackDown. And then that draws in viewers and that's all, that's what it's all about. But, uh, we did just get an $8 donation to the Super Chat Party. Thank you very much to DC Big Aso. Yeah, I think I pronounced that right again. I apologize if that's wrong. Um, there's word that the WWE is about to embark on a signing frenzy for younger talent. Who would you like to see from the indie sign with WWE? Dan Housen. 
No. Are you serious? No. I, I mean, what do we consider indie now? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think, look, like, what, Ring of Honor has a TV, uh, some form right. of TV deal. Right. So, like, is it is it, like, below that? Because I think if we had this conversation a year or two ago, most people would have said, well, Ring of Honor is the indie scene, our progress, our evolve. Some of them have been drastically hurt by this pandemic, right. and some 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 of the bigger names at even that level progress evolve wherever else you look. Mm-hmm. They're in some other form of you know uh, promotion, like whether it's Ring of Honor or like MLW. I, I could say, yeah. okay, well, uh, Hammerstone. I could say exactly. him. I'd love, well, and some would say, well, that's not independent. That's not the independent scene. I, I don't know what people consider independent wrestling anymore. I mean. I think, I think, I think up, MLW, Jake. like MLW could be considered independent because I think that as long as when they're, when they're doing the shows, they're not like contractually obligated to just that promotion. I think that would be like right now, Brian Pillman Jr. is doing AEW right now. Right. But he also does MLW and he'll still do indie dates. So I would consider him an indie independent wrestler. And unless AEW has got him full time, which I'm under the impression they don't, but I could be wrong. WWE can still knock on the door and say, hey, pal, look what we did with your family when your father passed away. And we've always been on good terms. So we got this beautiful performance center. So why not bring him in? You know, uh, you bring up Hammerstone and also Richard Holiday, Jacob Fatu. Um, I know Man Tom Waller signed exclusively to MLW. Uh, you know, I saw someone in the in the live chat here. What about Marty Skrull? He is a free agent. I know he's got his his baggage, but WWE would probably be more willing to take on that baggage than AEW will. So maybe Marty Skrull and helps NXT UK. And that's the other mm-hmm. thing. We still got NXT UK. So there might be some British indie guys that we don't know or... Uh, aren't really thinking about that could go there like Ben Carter did. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, in terms of just indie wrestling with, with all of those stuff that we're kind of paying attention to now, whether it's new Japan, WWE, NXT, AEW, it's really hard to focus on other smaller promotions, even like MLW or even like, look at, look at, um, what is that? Uh, blood sport. Yep. Josh, Josh Barnett. Like, yeah, like, uh, D.H. Smith or whatever his name. That's his name now, right? D.H. Smith. Is that what he goes by? David Hart Smith? Yes. Or okay, that's so what he went by. That's what he went by in WWE. Now he's David Boy yeah, Smith Jr. And he's a free okay. agent. Well, e- even he's going to be competing against the likes of uh, John Moxley. So, you know, Moxley's going to, to participate in a match against him. And it's like, okay, well, do you consider that independency? I- True. I don't know. It's just hard to pay attention to everything that's going on right now. Right, right. And I mean, we we have an independent promotion that comes through Connecticut, uh, Northeast Wrestling. And there's some guys like when I first saw Darby Allen, I'm like, this kid has got to get signed somewhere. And he ends up getting signed by AEW. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see a guy like Mike Verna showing up on AEW Dark. There's a guy named Keith Youngblood that, you know, might get some eyes. You know, some of this is just guys that we just come across just because we see their name on the local independent scene. So I, I have no idea. And, you know, there might be people in like California or Texas or Florida or whatever that we have no idea who they are. So it's a, kind of a hard question to ask because like you said, we don't know what independent, like what's considered an independent wrestler today or two. Um, 
who is still really technically signed or not signed somewhere. So, but uh, let's talk about what happened last night, Ralph. NXT Takeover Vengeance Day. So we have the we have the Dusty Classic winners for both the men and the women. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai beat Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Uh, Johnny Gargano retains the North American Championship. MSK beat the Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, we also have Io Shirai retaining in the Triple Threat match. And uh, Finn Balor beating um, Pete Dunne. And of course, the thing that closed the night was uh, the fact that Adam Cole has turned on the Undisputed Era. By the way, $1.99 donation from N. Vitello 2 She asked, what's for dinner, Ralph? I wouldn't know. I don't even know who the hell that is. Probably some, <laughs> probably some weird groupie that I picked up at one of those shows you were just talking about in Waterbury. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't know. Hopefully you get some dinner going soon. But also, we just got a $5 donation from Eric Aida. Uh, let's see what his question is. Who do you guys MJF. think? Who do you guys think will be the first wrestler from AEW to jump to WWE? It could be MJF. It could be. Yeah, if they, if, that's... if Vince says, hey, you're doing great here in AEW, but imagine the audience that you could get here in WWE. Listen, I would say two people, and, and these, are the, these are the two that I think would probably translate or transition best to that WWE style or the sports entertainment style. One, MJF, because he has the ability to talk and he's good in the ring and he just has that persona. And not only that, but he's also idolized a lot of people that worked within the WWE. So I, I, I think that might happen. Uh, and the other one is Wardlow, because mm -hmm. I don't see... From what I've seen in AEW right now, I can't see them booking a bigger guy strongly just because they haven't done it yet. Doesn't mean they can't do it. Doesn't mean they're not going to. Um, but the path to success, especially under the WWE banner for somebody that looks like Wardlow, that can move like Wardlow, that has the ability like him to really have somebody that can train him to say, okay, do this, this, and this, this is how you're going to get over. I want you to go out there and do this. That to me with under the WWE banner would be the best transition for him. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say Wardlow or MJF. Yeah. And if you keep that pairing together in WWE, like think of the Shawn Michaels diesel exactly. duo there. It would really, really work. I think there, I know some people are saying, Oh, they won't let MJF be MJF in WWE. Why? Cause they give them scripted promos. Do you guys not realize like MJF has acting experience? Granted it was, you know, uh, high school drama, but that's better than a lot of guys in WWE's acting experience. I think the guy can understand how to take a script and make it his own. He does it, the wordy, like the scripted promo thing. He does a couple and makes it his own and sounds awesome. Then he gets a little, uh, little leeway into what he says and he'll be fine. So people saying he won't be MJF. I don't see that, but our right, course pick would be the acclaimed. Uh, maybe. I mean, one of them was Bobby Lashley's sister during that whole Sami Zayn storyline. That was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. And now every time I see Max Caster on on AEW, I get that freaking thing stuck in my head of him being dressed up in drag to be Bobby Lashley's sister. And it's so bad. I'm probably like the only person that thinks that. But now that I saw it on Twitter, 
I always get it repeated in my head. But all right, back to Vengeance Day, Ralph. Uh, already gave the results, but what do you think was the match of the night? Uh, I think by, well, in my opinion, by far, uh, well, not, maybe not by far, but Pete Dunn and uh, Finn Balor to me was the match of the night. And that's just because of the style I like. I think that the opening 10 minutes of that match, the technical back and forth, the mind games, the transitions, the mat wrestling, that's really what I like going back to like, you know, I, I watched a lot of, I was a big Bret Hart fan growing up. So mm-hmm. that, that type of mat wrestling and that technical ability, that's always going to be, you know, what attracts me. But I, I feel like this show had a lot of good matches. And if you're a fan just in general of any type of wrestling, you could have found something that you liked aside from maybe hardcore. Uh, there was a lot of high flying stuff, whether it was the, the tag match with MSK um, even, even Kushida and Johnny Gargano had its high spots and stuff like that for the fans that are into just the spots. And then the main event itself, uh, that had a lot of technical stuff, a lot of good drama and a lot of good storytelling. So in my opinion, I thought the best match was, um, Finn Balor and, um, Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn. Uh, Sorry, I'm reading the comments here, seeing what people are saying. Right. No, I actually, I thought that match was good, but I really liked the men's Dusty Classic final. I, I thought MSK really, really shined in this match. And I think I've only seen them for a month in NXT. But I got to be honest, these guys have it from what I've seen. They have that it factor, that next big tag team. I don't know if it's going to be them, but I feel like they have the potential to be them. And MSK brought it. This is their first chance to be in the spotlight on NXT. They delivered. Surprisingly, I thought Grizzly Young Veterans were definitely winning this. And uh, MSK pulls the upset. And I also think when it comes to tag team wrestling, especially today, where rules get thrown out the window and it's more about spot, 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 without psychology, I felt a lot of this match had psychology and strategy, even in the high spots, like Wesley diving over the ring post onto the Grizzly Young Veterans was a high spot, but I felt like there was psychology behind it. And I thought like they did a great job in the storytelling and the psychological part of it that we don't always see in tag team matches today. Yeah, I I mean, I got to agree. And that's the thing, like a lot of times... I, I don't have a problem with the high flying and the high spots and stuff like that. I just wish that sometimes um, certain teams would pick and choose their spots a little bit better. So it's a little more impactful and limited a little bit more. Um, and so it makes a little more sense from a psychological standpoint. This match to me, without going too far out of their way to not focus on the rules or break the rules, they hit all their spots within the rule book. You know, so... Yeah, there were certain mm-hmm. times where both guys were in the ring, um, but it wasn't to the point where that you had to blatantly just disregard the count. Um, they didn't go that far out of their way to break the rules. So, yes, they got they got their spots in. They all looked good. Um, there was good drama down the end towards the tail end of the match. I felt like maybe they could have done without a couple of the spots where there was a false finish because I think at some point you just kind of get burnt out of the continuous kickouts. Um, but I still thought it was a really good match. Yeah, I agree. And believe it or not, do you know what MSK stands for? Is it Mean Street Crew? 
No. I, I or is that not true? I thought I saw something. I heard, I heard that it stands for the must-see kids. Could be it. I wish somebody would have asked Triple H that on a conference call. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what. But it means. Triple H, Triple H put them over big, <laughs> big on the conference call and said, like, you know, the time it takes for someone to get signed to TV depends on how much they're learning and if you know they're getting ready. And he said that these guys are like sponges and just learn quick. So props to them. They're doing a phenomenal job, and hopefully they can keep this momentum going, and you could just see in the ring, like, they want it. They want to be that top tag team, and eventually get to the main roster. Mm-hmm. They might not be in, w- in NXT that long, and especially where WWE definitely needs tag teams. They definitely could do that, but uh, let's talk about wh- obviously, what do you think are the big uh, big takeaways from this night? Obviously, the end of an era, baby. The ended takeover has got to be one of them. Well, I don't think we necessarily saw the end of the the undisputed era. I just think that we may be seeing a new version of it. Um, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole signed me up for that feud right now. That match yep. is going to be great. Mm-hmm. I think that we've seen this kind of building up. I, and again, I think last night was a, and it all it's all going to depend on what NXT looks like on Wednesday and what type of show they deliver. But last night was a really strong reset to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna start focusing a little bit more on the storylines. Because last night, I mean, yep. we got we got LA Knight debuting. We got the the riff in the Undisputed Era. We, mm-hmm. I, Bobby Fish, unfortunately, I think he's still hurt. Adam Cole, essentially, I, I wouldn't say turning. I would say kicking O'Reilly out of the Undisputed Era. Uh, and and this is all, this all happened last night with all these storyline developments. We didn't even see Karrion Cross. Nope. So he's not even involved in this. Escobar is still not involved in any of this. Nope. So there's still a lot that remains to be seen and a lot that needs to be told. Pete Dunne. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks of NXT and seeing if they're going to be able to deliver and ca- capitalize on this. I think that they will be able to. Um, even something as simple as Cameron Grimes. I, I really mm-hmm. think that Cameron Grimes is getting called to the main roster very soon. Yeah, I, I mean, that, the music that video, music was, video great. was awesome. I agree. It was really, really good. And I'm not one that likes rap music, but it was catchy. He was just going nuts on the camera. He like He's got such a great character that you can't book it bad because it's meant to lose all the time because you just want him to lose. But he could bring some great comedy gold that people can enjoy as a casual fan. So is he going to be a main event at WrestleMania? Probably not. But for a comedy spot that WWE kind of needs a new role because our truth, I think, is overstated his welcome in that spot. Cameron Grimes could be that next comedy spot goal that our truth was and Santino Morella was that keeps him there and you're going to get behind regardless. And and the thing that I'll touch on is this. So you go back and look at the Attitude Era when it was super successful and probably the biggest the biggest peak in professional wrestling where you had the most diehard and casual fans just paying attention to pro wrestling, right? It wasn't just about having the top guys like your Rocks and Austins and Undertaker and mm-hmm. whoever else. And yeah, they helped and they brought the eyes in. But it was about the storytelling in the lower, the, you know, even anywhere from the, the mid card up or even lower mid card, you know, storylines like if you go back and think about this, like Kai and Ty and Val Venus, they had that right. feud. Right. Um, to Jerry and William Regal as yes. as to Jerry was the sidekick. 
to to William Regal. That was great. I mean, that made mm-hmm. for good TV. I watched the special on the APA. Like, it's all about finding out where these people fit in, what their strengths are, and positioning them and putting them in a position position to be successful. And I think that that's what's lacking right now. At least on Raw, SmackDown is certainly much better. Mm-hmm. Um, Cameron Grimes could fill that role very easily. I think yep. obviously a comedy role right now. I think he's a step above like a Santino Morella for sure. But whether he stays in NXT or goes to the main roster, I think that guy's money. I mean, maybe I maybe not rush him just yet. Let's see if he can hone the character in NXT before he goes up to the main roster, especially when if they're gonna focus on ratings a little bit and try to get that gap between them and AEW to squish a little bit. Not saying beat them, but just take it take it a step further. Storyline progression really helped last night. They definitely put a hard reset in. All right, we are going to make this a story-driven show because we understand not just us, but like Raw and SmackDown could get better ratings if we develop the storyline aspect here in NXT. And I think they showed that. Like, they really miss having that big storyline really since Gargano and Champa, And that was before NXT was even a brand. Maybe Rhea's chase for the women's title was kind of there, but even that wasn't like a huge storyline. It was there. She won. And then they did nothing with it afterwards. This undisputed era split, this uh, thing with carrying cross and Santos Escobar, this Cameron Grimes thing could be the start of something. And we'll see where it goes. But if there's one takeaway yep. that I have to say about last night, if and I'm going to be critical because I feel like we need to be critical on all promotions, but I feel like last night the crowd was confused as to who the heels were and who the baby faces were, and I don't think they cared. For example, in the first match, we had the Women's Dusty Road Classic. We had... Shotzi and Ember isolating Dakota Kai to set up a hot tag for Raquel Gonzalez. And the crowd were actually rooting mm-hmm. for Kai and Gonzalez for the hot tag and popped when it happened. In the second match, Kushida and Johnny Gargano, great match. But you start hearing Johnny wrestling chants because he was kind of working a babyface role in a match where he's supposed to work as the heel. In the triple threat match, you kept hearing Mercedes chants when she's supposed to be working as a heel. So I feel like maybe the fans don't care who the the face or the heel is in that match, but it kind of throws off a little bit when you're trying to get invested in the match. And it's like, shouldn't I be rooting against that person, not chanting for that person? Yeah, I I think it was certainly evident with uh, Dakota Kai getting isolated and trying to work the hot tag. That to me, I was like, well, what are they trying to accomplish with this? And that's kind of one of those things, you know, as somebody who's watched, wrestling for a really long time it's like you almost wish you didn't pay attention to those things because Mm -hmm. you feel like you're nitpicking but it's it's kind of like that's information that you're not necessarily supposed to know but you know it because you pay attention to it and you listen to 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 you know other individuals within the industry that critique things and you know i i for sure picked it up especially in that tag match yeah i i I totally agree but uh in the process of our chat here we did get a $2 donation from Zero the Hero just saying, let's get a Yad champ, best promo in the business relating to Eli Drake, a.k.a. L.A. Knight. So any final thoughts on NXT TakeOver? Uh, I, I think that we have to stop disregarding them and stop saying that, you know, 
yeah, you know, on paper, this doesn't look like the strongest takeover because every time we say that, they come out and they surprise everybody. And last night may have been one of their better showings, especially considering on paper it really didn't look like a show that was going to be, you know, all that newsworthy. And then mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, well, LA Knight's here. And the news came out about Taya Valkyrie. And granted, she didn't appear or anything, but, you know, little things that Cameron Grimes, uh, Adam Cole, super kicking. Um, O'Reilly at the end, all of those things are newsworthy and got people talking about it, not just the the in-ring stuff. So it has me intrigued as to what will happen on Wednesday, right. which is something that I haven't been able to say about NXT in a long time. Right. And it, all I got to say is Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Matt Bloom, anybody else that's part of this, don't F it up. You know, because please, yeah, it's getting very hard to do AEW and NXT reviews because NXT just has nothing to really talk about. Hopefully this Wednesday that changes things. But we got about 10 minutes left here before the AEW women's tournament thing starts on YouTube. So we'll answer a couple more questions before that starts. And if you want your question answered, all you got to do is put the hashtag question in this in the live chat. And if you want to cut the line. Super chat party, any dollar donation, we'll answer it as soon as we see it in the live chat. Uh, that helps support the channel. We also got merchandise behind me, uh, 10% off promo code SCPB10, link in the description. All right, so let's head to our first question here. Where does LA Knight fit in the card with all the storylines going on right now in NXT? You could put him in, if he's going to be a baby face, you could certainly throw him right into the North American title. Although Mm -hmm. Dexter Loomis, I think, is next in line for that. Uh, You can... I'm sure there's someone that he could have a starter storyline with, but we'll see on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, I I think Johnny Gargano was the first guy that came to mind because, one, uh, Johnny Gargano is strong enough on the mic. He's confident in himself to where they can both kind of go back and forth and he can carry... They can both carry this feud. Dexter Loomis, while, you know, that'd be a fine match. He just, the guy doesn't talk. That's part of his gimmick. So, you know, I, I think that that's a likely first feud for him, especially considering he said, you know, whether it's that title or the NXT championship, that would be where I think they'd go with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see where it goes. But all right. Next question is, do you think that NXT should go back to the WWE network instead of TV? Because of all the talk that we're saying that a lot of these guys are not TV ready. Who's not TV ready? Well, I'm just saying, like I say this, I've been saying as part of the criticism of NXT is there's some guys that are just not TV ready by the time they make it to the main roster. So could they go back to the WWE network? Because if they're not TV ready for the USA network on NXT, that might hurt the brand as WWE in a bubble. I think is what his question is coming from. I th- I think I think they're TV ready. I just think some of them don't have the it factor. That that's it's a big difference. I, you know, I, I think that they have the train. I mean, in ring they're fine. They right. can cut okay promos, I guess, for the most part. Some of them they um, could improve. They know they know they put it to you this way. I don't think anybody's going to go from NXT to the main roster and not know what position they need to be in based on where the camera is and and how to take the match home if they run. Sh- if they're, if they're short on time, like stuff like that, where on AEW sometimes, or at least at the beginning, they did have issues with that. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily see that with the guys from NXT because they are continuously working on that stuff. Same could be said for a lot of the guys. And, and when you, if anybody listens to Jim Cornette's podcast, which 
I know a lot of people are very critical of him. He talks about that, the fundamentals, being able to work uh, work a match and know where the cameras are and where to look and be in position and things like that. That's stuff that he taught people in OVW, and I think that's what the guys are learning in NXT, but it, you can't teach it factor. You just can't teach that. No, you can't. I mean, you might assume that you could teach charisma, and I know some people say you can, but it factor and charisma, I, I don't think can be taught. You could teach confidence in front of a camera or in front of, or behind a microphone, but charisma, it just, people have it or they don't. So, uh, and maybe you can increase your charisma a little bit with that confidence, but it's not like a person could go from no charisma to all the charisma in the world because they could talk in front of a microphone better than someone else from a couple of practices or whatever. But JBL was a good example of that because I watched that the APA special last night following uh, takeover, Mm -hmm. which was good, by the way. Very good. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I was not a fan of JBL, but looking back on it in hindsight, he was a very good heel. Yeah. And he was really good on the mic. And if you looked at him when he first came into WWE or even his early days in the APA, you would have never thought that he was capable of doing that. No, no. So, I mean, it can be taught, but charisma i feel the charisma part and the it factor part you just got to dig for it it's not something that can be taught um which becky with becky lynch being gone for an extended amount of time do you guys think that wwe should put the title on Shayna baszler to see what she could do as the face of the women's division uh Shayna, i think the boat unfortunately has kind of sailed on her because I think she lost a lot of the mystique from NXT coming up from the, mm-hmm. to the main roster. Right. I think there's other people ahead of her right now. Yeah. I, I think at this point, if let's say Becky stays on raw, which if she's going to be with Seth, Polly goes to SmackDown. Um, you got Charlotte on raw. You got Oscar on raw. You have, uh, I mean, Shayna could be in the picture. But I, I don't think, like, a face of the women's division, I don't think she is because, let's just face it, the face should be a face, not a heel. And Shayna is a heel and yeah. is a natural heel. So I don't, I think she could have a title run, no doubt, but to be the face, no. Do you think Taya Valkyrie will keep her name in NXT? Uh, probably not. Uh, I... I mean, maybe. I mean, it's not not going to be the first time someone has kept their name if she does. Um, maybe they call her Taya Morrison and just tie it together. Taya Morrison mm-hmm. with her and uh, Jim Morrison, uh, John Morrison. Uh, who gets the Undisputed Era theme in the divorce? Oh, God. <laughs> I'd imagine Adam Cole. I don't know. I think Kyle O'Reilly. He, I mean, he's the one that got super kicked. So you got to get sympathy for that from the jury, right? I guess one would say that. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's the one thing you would do or want to do to make NXT better? Bring fans back. That's they what they missed. Fa- that's what they, they have fans in the Capitol Wrestling Center, and they were very vocal no, last night. No, that's not the same. No, it's not. But at least they're visible, unlike on AEW, where they're you know behind the cameras and from a distance, but. At least NXT's got something, but they definitely need their full crowd at full sale. So uh, is that that my last question? Okay, so next one here. 
does cross face does cross face edge for the NXT title on the main roster this year instead of or excuse me let me read that again sorry from Jesse James does Karrion cross face edge for Edge's title on the main roster this year instead of chasing the NXT title you know that was something that I was thinking about. I mean, I think it's I think that might be possible. Where if Karrion Cross is going to get, let's imagine Edge wins the title, Karrion Cross gets called up, and the plan is for Edge to put somebody over. Mm-hmm. I think that that could very well happen. Right. So I think right now the the storyline with him and Escobar is to get him back into ring shape because he hasn't really had a match since coming back from injury. So give him the match with Santos Escobar. Maybe a couple more matches on TV. All right, he's ready to go. Uh, wait till Mania. Maybe the Mania, uh, the Monday after Mania, he debuts, goes on a wrecking spree, and eventually, maybe at SummerSlam, faces Edge or whoever. Say it's Drew McIntyre still, and you got Drew McIntyre versus uh, Karrion Cross at SummerSlam. That would be a money match, I think. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, with the USA deal. Does NXT change the Tuesday nights? I think by that they mean like with NBC Sports Network shutting down, do they move NXT to Tuesday? I think if anything, NXT stays on Wednesdays and moves to Peacock. Yeah, I don't I don't right now I don't think they're gonna move. Right. And I think that's the final question here. So uh Ralph, any final thoughts before we head on out? Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. What are you eating tonight? I think N Vitello O2 is wondering what you're eating tonight. Well, I'm wondering that myself. So <laughs> who's cooking tonight? I don't know. Are you or the missus cooking tonight? I would venture to guess probably me. All right. Well, again, uh, thank you to all those that donate on the super chat party tonight. Corey MacArthur, Ericu, the Domo guy. DC, Big Asso, yeah, uh, N, Vitello, O2, Eric Gaeta, uh, Zero the Hero. Thank you guys for donating to the Super Chat Party. Thank you guys for your questions throughout the live chat. Thank you for joining us. I think we peaked at like 150 viewers tonight. Very big here as we reviewed NXT Vengeance Day. Also talking about the news here. Don't forget to like this video. Share it all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. Subscribe. Hit that bell for notifications so you don't miss an episode. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.